Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, and welcome to the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. I'm your host, Amanda G. We're about to celebrate one year of this podcast, so thank you guys so much for supporting us, for tuning in, for supporting all the artists that come on this show and bear their hearts and souls to you. We love it so much. We're so happy we get to keep doing this. This episode's really cool. I uh, was invited to do a show at Little Rock, Arkansas, and the guy that hosts and produced the show, Jay Jackson, let me stay at his house, hooked me up. It was really cool. So we did the show, and after the show, we went to a comedy club, and we got lit. We were having a good time. We were talking, chilling, having the those drunken cool vibe moments then we got back to his place he had to work i think at about five in the morning and he was like fuck it let's do this so we hit the recorder recorded this episode and it was just so beautiful jay shares so much with everybody and it's really great stay tuned after his interview because after his interview we're going to play a clip of his stand-up so you're going to get to know him personally and then you'll get to know him professionally as he does his stand-up and i'm so excited for it and happy new year's to y'all out there, our next episode won't be in until after the new year, so I hope y'all pick some good resolutions and stick with them so that by the time our next episode comes out, you're still doing them, still living that dream. But right now, let's get to Jay. Let's hear about his dreams. Please welcome Jay Jackson, y'all. How you doing? I'm doing fantastically well. I'm tipsy. I'm a little, I'm, I'm lit. It's been a good night. I'm ready to get this thing cooking. <laughs> so I'm just going to go right off the top. Go this is it. Jay Jackson. We met Midwest Queer Comedy Festival, Columbus, Ohio, and now we're here in Little Rock, Arkansas. I just want to say my favorite thing about you, and I will, I will stand behind this, okay. is that your album is called Black Power Bottom. <laughs> and that is the shit to me. <laughs> Like, that is a wheel of fortune before and after, like nobody's fucking business. Do you, do you know that I have no idea where that name came up? I, I was planning the special and had no idea what I was going to call it. And Black Power Bottom just kind of like came like top of mind. I wasn't even going to originally call it that. I was just like, eh. My husband asked me, like, what are you going to call it? I'm like, eh, the working title right now is Black Power Bottom. He's like, that's fucking funny. That's it's so hilarious. <laughs> like, the minute, like, before I met you, I already knew that's what your album was called. And I was like, this guy's going to be fucking funny. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Oh, so we're in Little Rock, Arkansas, just to preface it. 
we just did a show at Guillermo's coffee shop, which actually went very well. Yeah. I was I felt very good I was, about I was, it. I was I was pleased. Now, I think a few people got chased away by the rain, but I but I, I think yeah. that was a good show. There was overall. a my mother and my father. <laughs> I messaged you earlier and I was like, is there a real thing happening or is my father just a fussy Jewish man? And then my mother messaged me as well. So I was like, are they just fussy Jewish people or like is this a real weather thing? And it's it actually didn't rain at too bad at no, all. No, so no, not, not it was fine. And, and 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 we had a we had a decent sized handful of people. It's a small room, so you know it doesn't take a whole lot of people to make it feel full. So yeah. um, no, I, that 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 was good. I've been producing that show for this was this is actually the third show I've produced there, um, and we've got another uh, another five in the can. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. You know every every fourth friday as it were so no it's 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 been it's been doing well i'm not originally from little rock um there's a, a town about 35 40 minutes south of here called pine bluff that's where i'm originally from pine bluff is kind of where where i hail from but i grew up in south arkansas went to college in south arkansas um and then my last my, my senior year of college I got a job here in Little Rock, so I commuted between Arkadelphia and, uh, and Arkadelphia. I know, I know. <laughs> no. I was like, "There's no Philly, Philly it's, in that." It's a, it's a real place. I promise you. And it's, it's oh, and okay. It's, you didn't make quaint. that name up. No, okay. I, no, I did not make it up. No, oh, I thought you were trying to bring Philadelphia into this, and I was Arkadelphia, like, "That's not close. Arkansas is a real place with two colleges." And I went to the the state college there. Henderson State University, go Reddies. But my senior year of college, I uh, I, I landed a job in uh, in Little Rock, and so I commuted from from Arkadelphia to Little Rock for about six months, and then uh, and then moved to Little Rock, and then made it a thing, and then joined the army, and just ruined all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> what made you? So you went to college and then joined the army. I did. What brought you to that decision? <sighs> it was something. I always wanted to do, believe it or not. I, I I did JROTC in high school and I really dug it and I wanted to go like West Point. I wanted to, I wanted to do that. And my dad was like, no, I, I'm if like, like looking back on it, I was like, I mean, I was 18 years old. I was a grown ass man. Like I could have yeah. done what I wanted to do. But at the time his opinion meant something to me. Like I, like I wanted him to bless off on, on what my plan was. So, so we cut a deal and the deal was they go to school for four years, work for a couple of years. And then if the military is still something that you want to do. You'll do it with my, you can do it with my blessing. And then, and, and so that's exactly what I did. I went to, I went to school. I graduated on time. I landed a job in, uh, here in Little Rock, which I was fortunate to be, you know, one of maybe four or five people out of my graduating class that got a job in our field, you know, communications and mass media and such. I did that for two and a half years, and I talked talk to my dad. I was like, "Look, this is still a thing I want to do," and he's like, "Okay, we'll go ahead." And so, uh, and talked to the Navy, I talked to the Air Force, and then you know, but my army, but my family has a really strong army tradition, so that's what I went with. That's what I went with. It's just something that I've always wanted to do. Strict family growing up? Pretty strict. I come from a family that has a uh, very 
deep religious tradition. My dad is a deacon. My mother is a Sunday school teacher. And I grew up with all the psychoses that come with that. <laughs> like, literally, we were in church like eight days a week. Monday, I'll tell you the schedule right now. Monday night prayer meeting. Well, Tuesday night choir rehearsal. Uh, Wednesday night Bible study you know, we all there was always something going on in the church, and then we were there like literally twice on Sunday. It was, it was something else. So that was something that was very, very important to my parents, and it was very important to me growing up. And then once I got out of the house, I was like, "Oh, you mean not everybody lives this way?" So you had like a religious bubble. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Like so, I didn't find out about myself until I was older i was i was at least 19 before i figured out you know i mean you you, you see kids anymore you know they they're they're figuring it out they're eight nine years old 12 14 years old i didn't figure it out till i was 19 and even then i didn't really have the vocabulary for it because it just wasn't something that i was taught i didn't come out yeah yeah. yeah, as far as coming out, just the just the notion of being gay, I, it, like it was wasn't something that uh that that was on the forefront of of the mind. It was taboo in in my house and and all like that. So, what religion were you? We were raised missionary Southern Baptist. That means that comes with all of the arrogance and haughtiness of being evangelical, plus all of the guilt and shame of being Baptist. Like, <laughs> you just got all of just it. Got all of it. The just all of it. Just the full package. Like, and and our, we weren't making Jesus happy unless we were making other people feel as ashamed and guilty as we were. <laughs> well, that's the dream, right? It's a fucking dream. <laughs> I describe it in those terms. I, I, I had a, I had a good child. My, that is not to say like I, I was not like abused or anything like that, but uh, it was it was it was strict and you know we were a very regimented household, but we still loved to laugh. We still loved art. We still loved to be with people. We loved being around people. The church was for us at the time. It wasn't like it was like that wasn't punishment. That was our family. You know, so, you know, that was what we built our social lives, you know, around. So me doing kind of like my mother is the comedian of of the family. My father is the musician of the family. And I and everything that I do, I learned from the two of them. I just I remember vividly, like literally sitting at my dad's knee playing piano, just watching him. We couldn't take my mother anywhere without her cracking jokes or making snide remarks and, and things like that. So that's so that's where I get it from. And I'm, I say all of that to say that I am thank grateful for the way that I grew up. It, it made me who I am. But ooh, it was it was rough. <laughs> it was strict. Did your church preach anything about uh, homosexuality? Was that a topic or was it a topic that just wasn't discussed? When it came up, it was, uh, don't be one of them things. Okay. You know? So it wasn't like, we're going to explain why it's wrong. It was like, just, no, don't, just, just don't yeah. go there. No, oh, absolutely not. Like, as a matter of fact, I remember receiving at some point this book that just detailed in 
10 or 12 chapters about why masturbation was a sin and why you shouldn't masturbate and how it made baby Jesus cry and giving in to, you know, the desires of the flesh. I mean, that was the that was the way that people How old were you? Before masturbation or after you were like, I'm fucked? Because <laughs> like you received that shit when you're 17. You're like, I-, I don't know why Jesus didn't take me already, you know? I I think I was maybe like 14 or 15. Okay. I remember lecturing my cousin about it <laughs> because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Yeah, well, that, you know, that's like, what the intent of it was. Yeah. <laughs> Spread the, the, the word that, you know, touching yourself is bad. For years, even, for years, I had this, like, it was a problem in my relationship for a minute. Every Whenever I, you know, touched myself in that way, I had to take a shower. Oh, because shit. I was unclean. No, that was no, that was the that was how deeply ingrained this shit was. It affects your whole life, you know, and that's where it, it's so interesting to me is where the church is telling you, like, don't do this, don't do this. And it's a human. I mean, you're doing it like especially when you're 14 and you probably mm-hmm. haven't had sex yet. I don't know. Well, you probably haven't. And you're thinking, like, oh, why do I have this urge to do this thing? You know? Yeah. And you have yeah. this natural urge, and it should be natural, and it should be okay. And then you're told it's not okay, so mm-hmm. now you have this natural urge mm-hmm. versus something telling you, like, don't do this. And that's like a conflict in, in a, a growing brain. I spent a lot of time I, – I didn't, I didn't realize how behind the curve I was until I was maybe in my – mid 20s and by that point I was I had been in the army for about a year and it wasn't until I got around out of the house and around other people who were coming from different places than I was that oh not not everybody lived like this (laughs) so I had a I had a lot of catching up to do I had a lot of growing up to do which is kind of you know awkward when you're in your mid-20s and you're in the army like you have a weapon and you are given permission to kill people but i haven't like had sex yet like (laughs) yes it was wild it was wild so i so you know so naturally in my late 20s i was a hoe (laughs) which is kind of what happened make up for lost time i I used to keep a uh, I used to keep a log. I I lost count somewhere in the four like in the forties. Okay. Yeah, I'm a. I have a pretty high body count, body count. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to to kind of illustrate that that's what happened because I was not exposed to or allowed to express myself in ways that would have been would have allowed me to deal with it in a healthy manner this is all kind of like armchair pop psychology i i, I do kind of have an interest in like uh in psychology and things like that so i i do uh, a lot of character studies and and uh, but i've but i've also spent a lot of time like crying about this and and drinking about it <laughs> so but were, at that time, were you looking for a relationship, or were you just looking to make up for lost time? I, were you like, I don't know what I, I was know. looking for. Yeah, okay. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I was like, this is what I should have been doing this whole time, so I'm gonna do it now. You know, I'm, I'm almost forty now, so you know, it's this. This has been a while ago for me, but 
I remember feeling like I was in search of something. What that something was, I had no idea. I, I guess I just kind of wanted to experience life in a way that I didn't really feel like I could because I was restricted or felt guilty or or, or something like that. And it it took a lot of time for me to be able to give myself permission to say, okay, it's okay to live life, be safe, make good choices. But I didn't get to have a lot of experience or I didn't feel like I got to have a lot of experiences when I was younger, when a lot of people did because I had to be the good boy. I was the deacon's kid. There was a lot of that as well. But, you know, again, like I said, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it for anything. I'm, where I am now. So I have a wonderful, wonderful husband. I could not do this shit without him. He's amazing. He's he's great. He's fantastic. Works the door at shows. He does my photography. He puts up with my with my friends. He puts up with my mood swings and, <laughs> and all like that. I mean, he's he, he goes on the road with me when he can. Well, you you met him. Yeah, that's when I'm, I met both yeah. of y'all at the same time. Yeah. And I was like, because I was with my girlfriend. And I was like, right. this is so cool. We're doing the, we're like, we're both, like, we have people that support us. And yeah. that's so cool. It's and so it's important. such a beautiful thing. It's so important. I was doing, this happened a couple of years ago. I was doing, a, it was this time of year, actually, uh, later in the year, November, uh, late November, early December, I was doing a fundraiser with a friend of mine uh, named Willow Wheeler, and she's moved uh, out of state by now, but she is a transgender woman, and she was doing a, a fundraiser for, uh, I forget the actual name of the organization, but it was kind of like a like a gay straight alliance like a like almost a p flag thing sort of thing I, I forget the actual name of them but we were doing a fundraiser for them performing uh stand-up comedy and, and and whatnot and I remember Chad and I my husband and I talking about how whenever we were coming up and going through things and 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 coming out how that those sorts of organizations weren't really a thing for us in the early 90s, mid 90s, even though to the late, in the late late 90s too, although it was starting to become a little bit more normalized then, I guess starting to become a little bit more normalized then. But in South Arkansas, it was unheard of. He lived in, he's Little Rock born and bred. So maybe he had a little bit more access to some things, but uh, coming around to the 90s for us in South Arkansas, the P-Flag wasn't a thing. Centers for Artistic Revolution, organizations like Trans Lifeline, those those sorts of things, they weren't a thing. Uh, Lucy's Place, those are all great organizations that do things for LGBTQ youth and uh, and offering them support, but that wasn't there for, that wasn't there for me. So for for me and him, it's important to us, you know, to support those those types of organizations because, I mean, although I think he and I turned out okay, you know, how many how many other kids didn't? A lot of high schools have a, a GSA, a Gay mm-hmm. Straight Alliance. They have some sort of queer community organization. I didn't have that in my high school. Mm-hmm. I I'm assuming based on what you just said, you oh, didn't have that. not at all. So not to have all. not to have that, and then also not have like P flag and these other support groups for the people that want to understand, you know, that need to understand 
or accept or whatever they need, whatever therapy they mm-hmm. need to accept their queer family members. Mm-hmm. That wasn't around. Mm-hmm. It's so different now. Yeah. It's so different for the yeah. kids. And that's, and that's a good thing. I, I, I don't say that in a, in a way that's like, Oh, you kids today. Yeah. I do. You kids today. <laughs> what's, what's, what's these kids, kids today is won't, won't. I do. I'm like, I walk two miles uphill both ways (laughs) in the snow, barefoot. You don't understand. You got Uber to take you to fucking school. I didn't have Uber. I had a bus that if you missed that bus, you didn't go to fucking school because your parents both had to fucking work. You know, that's just true. Back in These my kids day, and their cell phones. God damn it! The, 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 you had to play money to get in the gay club. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like, <laughs> shit. But yeah, no, you're you're no, you're absolutely right. So you came out while you were in the military. I came out well because the, the timeline that you were saying it's a process. Okay. Um, yeah, so- no, I know. And I, I usually don't ask it as simply as that. I'm, I usually ask it in a bunch of different questions. Sure, like you come out to yourself. Which is one step. Yes. You come out to your family, you come out to your friends, yes. and then you come out to the public. And then now that you perform, you come out. Like even tonight, we did a show tonight. Mm-hmm. You had to decide because you had a bunch of jokes that weren't about you being gay, weren't about you and your husband. And you could have decided at that point, I'm going to let them think what they want to think, or I'm going to start doing these fucking jokes where they know who I am and, and that I have a husband. And You know, I, I, I almost didn't do those jokes. And I was like, ah. Is this where I want to go? I have found nine times out of ten. It doesn't always work. The the fact that I'm authentic in the way that I talk about it. And I don't talk about it in a, in a way that's like in your face, angry gay black man. Dicks, 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 dicks. I'm not. I'm not black power bottom. Black power bottom. I don't do that. I mean, well, even that. Well, even that joke. I don't do that joke everywhere. I kind of was. I kind of had to kind of feel it out a little bit tonight. I was like, okay, I, I can, I can, I think I can do this. I can get away with this, and, it, and I feel like it worked. It did, but, but there, but I have been in situations where I have kind of tested those waters and been, and been like, okay, that's not where I want to go. I've learned to, and I think, uh, and I think I kind of learned this, you know, doing music, especially when, when people talk about reading the room, it's not just for, you know, what you think they'll find funny or what you think you can get away with. You know, when you're playing rooms in, in Heber Springs, Arkansas, or Indianapolis, Mm Or wherever else, you you kind of have to figure out. Okay, is this a crowd that is ready to receive that? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll test the waters here. Okay, I'm good to go. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I felt like you were like dipping a toe. I was. There's a lead in that I do kind of with the the meat joke that I, I do a, a joke where I the punchline is about you know. I like the taste of meat on my lips. Har, 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 har. I I try to use that as my barometer. Yeah. <laughs> and if and if and if the crowd is like into that, and then I'll then I'm in like okay, I'll, I can like lean into some of the game material. And then and then if not, okay, uh, all right, let's talk about uh, airplane food. What's the <laughs> deal with that? Yeah, I've got some stuff to fall back on, you know. Uh. <laughs> no, because you have so much stuff that's not gay related, but it's uh, it's a you know it's part of your set. It's part of who you yeah. are. And I like that you kind of feel it. I mean, 
I don't like that you have to kind of feel it out for crowds. Like, I really wish we could just do our shit. But I understand, especially when you're running a show. When you're running it, you're producing a show, you're running the show. It's not necessarily your job to push your agenda or not agenda. Your job is to put put on a good show. Exactly. My comfort, as important as that is to the authenticity of my set, my comfort takes a back seat to what the audience finds funny. If they're not receptive to me talking about taking it up the rear, up the, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. then, <laughs> then I need to be able to come with something else. But, you know, interestingly, I had a, a conversation with, uh, with a comic named uh, Bob Koshravi. If I recall correctly, I mean, it, it's, it's his story to tell, but he, but he's of, but he's of Middle Eastern descent. I was having a conversation with him and, he was, we were talking about his, uh, a set that he'd done, um, at the Looney bin that week. And I asked him if he ever got tired of talking about making jokes about ethnicity and ethnicity and, and all of that. And then he's like, why do you ask? And I told him that, well, because my, my full set at that time, this was like maybe two and a half, three years ago. So I was still kind of fresh in the game. I said that, uh, well, you know, you know, me being black and gay is, uh, I, I don't want that to be the only thing I have to talk about. I don't want to be the black gay comic. I want to be a comic who's, you know, who's just black and gay. And he, and, and his response to me was like, well, why? Because that's who you are. If you tell that story in a way that is honest, and I've said the word authentic twenty times, but mm-hmm. it's the but it's the best word I can think of because that's his point was is that that's who you are, and everything that you talk about that is real comes out of your experiences as a black gay soldier. Why squash that? And I had to really think about that. So it's one of those things that I've, I don't lean into it to the point that that's, you know, I, that's all I talk about because that's also boring and I, and I don't, I don't want to, and I don't want that to be the only thing that I can do. I want to be able to showcase some versatility, but what he meant about making sure that at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're giving yourself to that audience and you're giving your whole self and you're giving your real self you have to otherwise it's not funny yeah otherwise the audience isn't going to you're just saying you're just saying lines the audience isn't going to believe you and if if you want them to be on your side if you want to make them laugh if you want to entertain them then they have to be able to trust you the only way to do that is to you know you you can't you can't deny yourself to do that that's a lesson that I've uh, been learning and, and, and I'm still kind of, you know, I'm still kind of working with it. There are stages that I feel more comfortable doing that than with others, but. Um, yeah. Well, but there's also a else. safety. I feel like yes. people don't understand as much that there is actually a genuine safety issue. Mm-hmm. And I have felt that in certain places where I'm like, I actually don't feel safe expressing this. It's not mm-hmm. it's not me not being who I am. It's mm-hmm. me like mm-hmm. making sure I'm safe. I've been places with my husband 
where we have had the conversation where we've both looked around and like, can we hold, can we hold hands? Can we kiss? Yeah. I, I, we, and we share a like, we'll share a look and yeah, be like, I know the look, you know, the look, yeah, we'll share a look. My and girlfriend we'll be like, and I have that yeah. look and we're like, okay, this is not the this place. Ain't it. This, this ain't is the it. place. Yeah. Cause we don't, you know, it's not at the end of the day, it's not worth risking ourselves for that yeah. shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's definitely a, a piece of it. I'm going to ask you this and right. I ask everybody this. All right. Um, you're married. Yes. You're actually married. Yes. You went. Like for real married. Yeah. We, we met before our justice of the peace and we justice locked it. Justice of the peace. Okay. And we, and we, and we locked it in. I'll tell you when we locked it in. We locked it in the January that uh, Trump got sworn in because <laughs> we were, because we were like, because we Real talk, we didn't know what was going to happen. We were going to put it off until like later that fall. And then 2016 happened, election 2016 happened. And I, and I, and I was like, no, we need to do this now because we, I don't know what's going to happen and we may not fucking get to. Like, yeah. Literally. No, I have a friend in California that had a, she had a civil union and then uh, they passed Prop 8. So she went, went from like civil union to married mm-hmm. to not married, you know, so you got to do it when you got to do it. Yeah. But yeah. why, what is the decision to get married? What does that mean to you? What is the importance of that? Straight up. Straight I, up. I, I'm, I'm not a cynic cynic, but I'm a pragmatist. And for us, it's straight up the benefits. That's it. I don't need, I mean, my marriage license is on my wall in the office right there. Like, I, see I, I don't need a piece of paper to prove that I love this man. I be- and I believe that he loves me without it. That's not what it is. For 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 me and I can only speak for me and realizing that you know he he may have a slightly different perspective on it. But what it is for me is that it locks in a sense of him being taken care of if something were to happen to me and vice versa that's literally all it is for 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 from my perspective i love him to death i would go to bed for him anytime and i and i don't need a a contract to to tell me that but in the eyes of the law i understand that you know uh, my family as much as I love them and as much as they they love me, I need this to be codified in such a way that they understand that, look, that's my husband. And when I'm gone, should something happen to me, then everything that I am, I then he's in charge. He's making the decisions. Everything that I'm doing is going to him because I love him that much. And I don't want them to, there to be any dispute. I don't want there to be any doubt. And so... To answer your question, that's that's what that is for me. It's 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 a pragmatic sort of thing. But you already committed, and then this is like oh, a absolutely, solidify- yeah, okay. Oh no, this is it. My girlfriend and I bought it. Like I talk, my mm-hmm. joke earlier about like you buy a house when like <laughs> we bought a house together. We're committed. Mm-hmm. We live together. Where does marriage make a difference? And that's you know, does that mean? Because I have friends, I have straight friends, gay friends. It doesn't mm-hmm. fucking matter. Sure, anyone that's that's married. Usually the answer is like a pragmatist, like either my family didn't want us living together. We didn't want to have kids without marriage. There's a protection. It's a legal, like if something were to happen, 
I always just wonder the reasons for that for that extra step versus yeah. just being like, yeah. "Look, we're fucking good." Yeah. Uh, for and for and for a while we were. I mean, we had talked about it. We've been married. It'll, it'll be two years that we've been married in uh, uh, in late January. January thirty first is our the anniversary of the contract, <laughs> but we celebrate November 8th as our anniversary because that's the day that we met. That's the day that that was our first date. And y'all and been together six years. We've been together six years. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Uh, a, yeah, thank you. I thank you. I appreciate that. I tell a joke that, uh, that six years is 60 years in gay. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but well, there's some, well, there's some truth to that. I mean, this is the longest time ever been in a relationship yeah, I, was like, I, think- I saw queer as folk I know. <laughs> i'm just kidding. i know it's an exaggeration because l word was an exaggeration so like we both watched our other shit and we're like this is how it is and it's like that's that's not how it is by the way i can't stand that fucking show queer as folk they didn't have any black people True. <laughs> that is, they're rebooting it though, apparently. What? So yeah, they're supposed what? to be reboot. I don't know if it's still gonna be in where were they, Pittsburgh? They were, yeah. Or Philadelphia or Philly, something or something like that. I, yeah. Wherever they, they were somewhere in Pennsylvania yeah. that has a lot of white people, which is <laughs> which is kind of, but like they're supposed to re- be rebooting it, so I'm not really sure like Word. Yeah. So look for that. L word's supposed to be rebooted too, so we're getting a new generation of folks. What? Yeah. Yeah. I dig it. I'm here for it, man. I I'm, I'm here for it. They well, should. I mean, they should. You know, those they need updating. They they were good for what they were. Yeah. They they brought a lot of people. Was it you or someone else had a joke about like Elward bringing people out of the closet? Oh yeah, yeah. Somebody else did that. Uh, yeah. I said that was a. Uh, and was I, JP Ford. Yeah, yeah and so. I like kind of hated it, but I also was like, no. <laughs> I know a lot of people that were like, I saw Elward and were like, oh. Okay, this is how I feel. So those, those shows, they do good yeah. in in that way. In in, in but the they're not accurate. They were, yeah. in the times that they were in the you know again, but it's mid nineties. It's fucking TV. It's TV. Yes, and we've we've moved past that. I the more than queer as folk, I cannot fucking stand Will and Grace. I hate, I hate that show that too. Fucking show. Oh my god. Fuck Will and Grace. Not because of the actors that are in it, just because like you're in okay, you're in. No, New they're York not City. bad actors. I'm yeah. not taking away. Yeah, they do a great job at those roles. Those roles are terrible. <laughs> Karen, Karen's a dick. Look, look, Karen's a dick. Jack's a dick. Jack's a fucking mooch. Like, like what does Jack provide to anybody? Anybody. I I also don't particularly care for Will and Grace because you know out of what ten seasons or really or 11 now that they've like rebooted the the, not rebooted but like continued the series or whatever out of 11 series you're telling me that that will the there's one black gay guy in new york city no fucking way no fucking way no not at all but more than that just the the and again for what it was when it came out i I appreciate that there weren't a whole lot of representations of of our community at that time, but the conceptualization of of a gay man in America being, you know, the erudite professional like Will or the sassy friend 
like Jack or whatever. And the, the women in their lives are just the fag hags as you would quote unquote or whatever. All of these, like they ended up feeding into to me a really bad stereotype where, where that's where, where that's where people think that the gay lifestyle is or the LGBT lifestyle is. And it's not there. There are weird, black we're soldiers we're rednecks we're overweight we're struggling we're poor we're in all sorts of places we're all religions different different religions different different, all all of these different things and so no it's time for a reboot it's i i i I support this i will say i will say and kind of what you're saying is like that might be a stepping stone to where we are now like that might have been a stepping stone that was sure. necessary i sure. still don't fucking like it yeah like right, that's the end right. of the end of the day right. will and grace didn't need to be roommates how the fuck did they know karen <laughs> in the first place like karen has this rich weird husband that we never get to like see, see. for whatever reason jack somehow bumps his way into everybody's life he's yeah. so mean to everybody he and will never fuck i would never like, be what's ma- the- i would never be friends with somebody like like jack I, no I, I couldn't that's not a friend no he is literally never there for anybody <laughs> Like a friend is someone who's there, you know, you can call him up and talk. Jack just shows up when he wants. He takes what he wants. He and Karen get drunk together. It's real funny. It's real, Uh, it's real great. I guess. Glad they brought that show back. I guess. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Because that's the thing, like in Friends, you at least understand why they're roommates. Because like Rachel's a waitress. Like, (laughs) you know, Courtney Cox is, I forgot what's her, Monica. I don't don't know. Like she, she became a successful chef, but in the beginning she wasn't. Phoebe is kind of a bum. Like everybody, Joey's a struggling actor. Like nobody. Nobody has any money to do like they have to be roommates like there's no choice and will and grace they all have fucking money like there's right. no reason in these huge apartments besides in like new yeah. york city that god what do you think the rent was for will's apartment jeez i mean it was a nice fucking he had a beautiful view roomy yeah like walk around with elbow room and shit like what the fuck are you doing i know but it's just codependency, and we shouldn't be teaching the kids codependency. That's another thing I didn't like care for about this yeah. show. Yeah, like, it was all because Grace is a fucking mess, and nobody's actually like, "We love you, Grace. We care about you." Mm-hmm. They're just, "Yeah, you're a fucking mess, and we're gonna fucking rag on you. Like you're, you're the one we're gonna make fun of." So unhealthy. Yeah, so we'll change it to something else that's really unhealthy: <laughs> comedy. <laughs> what got you? What What got you to start doing stand up? All right, so <laughs> I have this. Uh, I have this friend. Uh, I'll say his name, Paul Hodge. I don't give a shit. I'll put him out there. I'll I'll put him on blast. I have a friend named he's Paul. Funny. Hodge. He's funny. You know, he's Paul is one of my favorite people. He was I've solid tonight. Him. He was on the show tonight. He was oh, solid. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I've known Good Paul for I've known Paul for twenty years. We knew each other as juniors in high school. We went to different we went to different schools, but I met him at this. Uh, there's a program in Arkansas called uh, Governor School that takes the best and brightest of children from uh, each district. And uh, we met there and became friends, stayed in contact and all like this. So he's a good dude. Several years ago, well, five, almost six years ago, Paul was seeing a lady who was like, ha ha, you're so funny. You should do stand up and all like that. And Paul was like, really? And she's, uh, you know, like as dudes, I, I don't know, I like, guess straight dudes 
I guess think I guess he maybe thought it was gonna get him some. <laughs> so, but she was already dating him. Rich, like, well, I, well, I say I say dating. Okay. I may I may be using a bit strong of a word. She was in his presence. She was in his presence. She was like, "Ah, you're funny," you know. Yeah. Like you should do stand up comedy, and he's like, "Maybe if I do stand up comedy, you'll sleep with me." Anyway. <laughs> He uh, he told me this, and I'm like, hey, he's like, yeah, this this chick says I'm funny. I think I'm gonna try to stand up comedy. I'm like, okay, I'm all right, guy, <laughs> whatever you say, but I'll come support you. I, I I I got you. And so at the time, there was one place to do stand up in Little Rock, and that was the Looney Bin, and they were only doing it every other week. And so Paul would tell me, hey, all right, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm going to do, I'm going to do comedy on this date. I'm here. I'm going to come do it on, on this Wednesday. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll meet you there because I'm a good friend. And yeah, I would, I'm going to come out here and support you. Well, he would, he would end up checking out or something would happen to where he wouldn't make the mic. Over the course of doing that, I got to know just talking with um some of the other comics who were there because you were there because i was there and, and they were there and fuck it, i'll do it i was now i was always a comedy fan i'll put this I, I mean the first cd i bought with my own money ever was george carlin's you're all diseased i good one i, I knew um george carlin's a shit he's the man at the time i i knew um steve harvey's one man special by heart, I knew that I knew I knew it. I watched it end to end repeatedly. So I was a I was a comedy fan, and I had been to the Looney Bin before just to you know, just to hang out. But for open mic night, I was hanging out with these other comics, and this uh, uh, and and one of them, Billy Pirate, God rest his soul, said to me like, "Hey, it's open mic. You should try doing this." I'm like, "Okay, all right, yeah, all right." And he's like, "No, really, you know, you should you should get something, be up there." And I and I and I, and I thought about it. I'm like, "Okay." So I put together a five minutes and I got up there and I did it one week. I don't remember if Paul was there or not, but I remember that I didn't suck. And, and so I was like, okay, well, that was okay. I, I, I enjoyed that because I've, I've got a theater background. You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a talker. I come from a family of communicators and I'm nothing if I can't talk shit. So <laughs> we got to hold your own. Yeah, got to hold your own. So uh, another comic that I respected said, hey, try this like three more times and give yourself an honest assessment of whether or not you think this is something that you can do. And I did. And by the third time, I was like, OK, I, I think I can not ne- not like I'm not so vain to think like, OK, I can make this a career or, or I, I still don't really think that way, even though I've been doing this for, you know, six, almost seven years now. Not, not that I think that I can, you know, make a career out of comedy, but I think that I'm, I do have a talent for it because I'm genuinely, I, I genuinely love telling stories. I genuinely love meeting people. I genuinely love sharing with folks in that way, the camaraderie. Uh, the for the uh, with with uh, people who are in a space that are there to laugh and enjoy themselves, uh, the fraternity that comes with other comics and 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 uh, being able to travel and do festivals and uh, these these sorts of things, I, I I dig it. I'm in I'm into it. For for me, it has developed into a uh, uh, starting starting from a place of eh, I don't know that this is something that I'd 
would think about doing um, to, into, hey, maybe we can maybe we can build something here. And so I've gone from that to running. So I've hosted several different regular shows. In addition to comedy cage match, I produced the Nasty Women of Comedy, which I'm super fucking proud of. Comedy cage match, um, the Rogue Review, all of these different shows. We just uh, we're, we're we're franchising out uh, as we speak. The the you look like. You look like a comedy show, which was based out of Memphis. We were franchising that, and we're doing a Little Rock edition on a regular basis now, which, which I'm, I'm super excited about. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh you're no, gonna be on it. Yeah. You're gonna be on it for sure. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I did the one in Memphis. It's you look like, and it's basically a roast battle, but everything starts with you look like, and uh, I lost in the first round. <laughs> it was real. F- no, it's actually really fun. They have a podcast where yeah. they like you can hear me lose. It's really great. Um, but it, it, it's a ton of fun, and they they get a pack crowd and i know they've been trying to like oh, franchise yeah. it so oh, i think yeah. it's really great that it's coming here i think uh, it'll do well I, I'm, I'm i'm incredibly i'm incredibly proud proud of it so all of that is to say that over the over the course of the past um you know six and a half almost seven years that i've been doing this we've we've come a long way and i'm happy to uh, be a part of the growth that has happened like into a developing community like I, I said earlier that when when i started there was one mic every other week now depending on the week if you if you pick the right week you can do comedy in little rock almost six nights a week that's awesome it's it, it has really grown into uh something special and that and that and that just comes with the work of people who are just enthusiastic about it and really really happy to be here and i'm, I'm happy to be a part of it you're still in the military? I am. I uh, I'm in okay. the Arkansas National Guard. I work full time for the state of Arkansas. And they're uh, cool with you being out? Is it is a don't ask, don't tell situation? I, is no, that, no, no. Has I, that changed? It has. It will. I mean, like technically, I know technically it's changed, but has it actually changed? Because those it, are two different things. Yeah. Yes. No. And you're right. I have been fortunate enough that my experiences have only ever been positive with regards to that. Even when I was active duty before, I was active duty like during the Bush years. Oh, okay. yeah. That was the real donation. It was, yeah. No, that, yeah. That, that, like they meant that shit. Yeah. <laughs> the, without getting too deep into it, I, I actually, at the time, I self-identified. I wasn't handling the stress well as far as feeling like I had to hide who I was or had to pretend to be something that I wasn't, and I wasn't handling that stress well. So, uh, so I self-identified and 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 separated after that. But I did say that if if that's a rule that got lifted, I would be back, and 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 it was. Like, lo and behold, in uh, two thousand, I, I want to say. Uh, 2010 that president obama made that directive that don't ask don't tell was no longer a thing and you know people you could you could you know serve openly and i was at the recruiter's office the next week and and i re-enlisted in 2011 and i've been a part of that ever since so for me i'll say this when i was active duty when i did self-identify i had leadership that was like you know we don't 
we can just pretend you didn't say this. <laughs> okay. Like you're you're a good soldier. We want to so keep they were like, you. We're cool. We yeah, we're cool. So they were, so I had leadership that was cool with it then. Um I have leadership now that is like okay, you know, whether or not we agree with it is not the point. You're a good soldier. You you show up. You do what's what's asked of you. And that's and all it should be. At that's any, that. No. At any job, I go to a workplace. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who I'm fucking. Like, right. It doesn't affect my job. Right. You're absolutely right. And that's the way that it should be. I recognize that my experience kind of just based on where I, because I was in the intelligence community and I was in the signal community and nominal communications community. So they, those, those places are a very different vibe from like being a grunt. If I were infantry, I don't know that I could say the same thing. Yeah. Or if I were an engineer, I don't know that I could say the same thing, but I, I can say that my experience has overall been a net positive in so far as, you know, the treatment of, of LGBT soldiers. Now, now I recognize that that, that may not be the case for everybody. Yeah. And then we still have a long way to go. I do still hear comments particularly when it comes to trans soldiers or or you know trans issues where people may make some inf- and some ignorant statements or some uninformed statements and I have to but you step up I I for the most part uh, especially particularly if the, if if it's being made by soldiers I know again it's all a process and it starts from <laughs> I apologize for, you know, politicizing your show, but it starts at the top. And so that if you have a commander in chief who does not respect a a certain subset of soldiers, then that's problematic. Then it is very problematic yeah. because that because that does trickle down. But if you had leadership that says, "Hey, okay, we may not necessarily understand, but we are going to afford these soldiers the same respect and dignity that we would for anyone else, then I think that is it. That that would be where the military would start seeing some sort of resilience in that area. So I'm a big advocate for that, and almost anybody who uh, who knows me in the in, in uniform will 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 tell you. Yeah, you look good in uniform today. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll tell you that. I I'll, appreciate that. I'll, I'll say it. I'm. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I'm sucking it in most of the time. <laughs> well, you do it well. I'm out. You do it well. You killed it. I didn't even notice. Thank you. Thank you. I'll ask you, uh, I think, one more question okay. before we uh, get out of here. Right. What are your comedy goals? Like, what if money was no object, you know, you didn't have to work, you could just... Mm-hmm. What what do you want? You want your own special on Netflix? You want to write some shit? You want to produce shows? Like what? Where all do you of, see yourself? Like ideally, all of that is nice. I would like to travel more, so that I could learn more. I could learn to be more universally funny. I, I think. I mean, you're not gonna make everybody laugh all the time. I know that, but. Doing things like the Midwest Queer Comedy Festival, doing things like just taking trips to Chicago and San Francisco and uh, Indianapolis and, you know, all these different places out of t- Memphis, out of town, Fayetteville, 
just Fayetteville. That's my backyard. You know, just doing stuff in other cities, being able to travel more, I have learned so much because there's only so much that I can do. I love Little Rock. Uh, Little Rock's a great place. And like I said, we've been on the comedy come up, but there's only so much that I can learn here. So being able to travel more, I want to do comedy in Portland and Seattle and Boston, go to New York and Atlanta and and all these other places. And if I bomb, so be it. But I, but at least I will have learned something. Yeah. And so then I can take that information, take those learnings, take those lessons, and bring that back here to Little Rock. Ultimately, ultimately, when Chad and I have talked about this, a dream of mine would be to run my own club. I want to run a room with the intention not necessarily explicitly stated, but I want to normalize shit like this. I want to normalize having a queer woman as headliner. I want to normalize a queer person of color hosting, or I want to normalize a black woman as feature. I want these things so that it's not special anymore. It, it, does that make sense? I I I don't yeah. I don't want it to be a novelty thing to be able to see queer comics in a space where they can speak their minds and uh, be who they are, and that there's an opportunity for Little Rock to have a space where that is where that can be the norm. And I would like to to run a space like that, and I would hope that if slash when we do you'll be willing to oh absolutely that sounds like utopia perform. that sounds like, <laughs> that sounds amazing and i That's wish i wish if you brought us a little rock and it's successful that you can franchise that shit everywhere else oh shit, oh, shit yeah, yeah. New, Orleans, new orleans yeah new orleans memphis new orleans could, yeah <laughs> it, would, it would be great can you let the folks know where they can find you i am at jjacksonentertainment.com uh i'm on facebook instagram youtube Reverb Nation. Uh, if you say, if you put in J Jackson Entertainment, or uh, I think on Reverb Nation it's J Jackson Band. I, th- I think I'm still have the the old music name there. But any of those places you can find me. Um, all but all but we can also link through all those places on uh, places on my website uh, jjacksonentertainment.com. I've even I've still got MySpace. I still keep it up. MySpace. Yeah, word. I'm I, I'm 40. I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> Old school. <laughs> and I I not only like stopped going on my MySpace, I went back in and deleted that shit. I was like, that is nobody's fucking business. What's happening there? I don't care if I don't care if Justin Timberlake bought it and tried to revamp it. That's not my shit, man. I let that go. It was like the Titanic. I'll never let go. Oh, no, I let that shit go. Let that shit go real hard. But thank you so much, Jay, for hanging out with us. Thank you. In your, in your house. Thank, thank you. Thank you for letting me sleep it. on your couch. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely. It's no, been a you're, good night. You're welcome here anytime. I, I will take you up on that. <laughs> I have three cats, though. <laughs> Bring them. <Bring> em. <laughs> Let's do this. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Look, uh, I, I have something I, I wanted to get off my chest. Um, something that's been bothering me, and I need to really share with y'all. Screw geese. How do you know these jerks? They're loud. They're obnoxious. They're everywhere. They're the Kardashians of the Apple Kingdom, basically, is what I'm saying. Geese are like if an Ed Hardy jacket came to life and sprouted feathers here. 
are that jerk at the gym that gets high on pre-workout and wants to fight everybody? <laughs> or come to a comedy show, apparently? Like... <laughs> hey, bro, you wanna go? You wanna go? I don't like these. <laughs> I was fortunate enough to uh, uh, go and have uh, done a lot of traveling this year doing stand-up comedy uh, with that young lady over there, Miss Lisa Michaels. Um, we went to Chicago recently. It was fun as hell. We had ourselves a good time, but Chicago is just, they, they, they do their tourism weird. Like everything, all their tourism is around gangland, Al Capone, all that kind of we got, Al Capone coffee mugs, Al Capone coffee cups, Al Capone calendars. And I'm like, y'all know this dude killed people, right? Like, that'd be like me trying to sell Ted Bundy bobbleheads. Or Jeffrey Dahmer dildos. Or Confederate flags. I said it. In Tennessee, I said it. I don't, I don't even care. <laughs> First time I went to Chicago was March and it was cold as balls and then I drove down to Ball, Louisiana for some army training. I'm telling you about Ball, Louisiana. It was hot. It was so hot, the glue from my toothpaste started melting like all over my hands. My face ain't been that hot and sticky since that one semester at Catholic school. This but we have Catholics in the audience? Is that too much? Messed around and passed a, a, a KKK rally in Ball, Louisiana. My stupid self thought they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. Because they were dressed like white wizards. Cast fireball in this wooden tea. I didn't... Just get out of here. Lisa, we were not welcome. Do uh do y'all have kids? Make some noise my parents and house. Y'all have kids. Cool. Now we know where the broke tables are. I don't have kids, I have nieces and nephews. That's good enough for me. There are people that are like, Jay, that's not the same. It's not the same. I know it's not the same. That's the point. We can go to the zoo, have ourselves a good time, and then I'll load them up with Hershey bars and skills and send those little gremlins right back to their daddy. I'm not here for that. Uh, I'm not having kids, and I'll tell you why, because I don't, I, I, I'm thinking about the future. Think about this, in 200 years, they're going to be going through our Facebook messages and Snapchats the way that we go through old Civil War letters. <laughs> My dearest Clarabelle, what it do, fam? <laughs> This winter has been particularly unforgiving, but the heat from my mixtape has kept us quite warm. I cannot wait to hold you in my arms so I can once again eat the booty at my groceries. Yours in Christ, keep it 100. People get messed up when you tell them that you don't want kids. They tell them they some messed up things to you. They're like, don't knock it till you try it. Don't, don't worry about the mess, you'll get used to that. And then I tell them I'm gay, and their head explodes. How could you do that? How could you sleep with other men? And I flip it right back on. Don't knock it till you try it.
Colorado. <laughs> it's 2018. Uh, I said one thing. Uh, it's 2018, y'all, and it's and it's Trump's America. My women, my LGBT folks in the house. Uh, I just want to tell you, 2018. I'm gonna tell you something. Just just word of the word to the wise. Protect yourselves, okay? Defend yourselves by any means necessary because these people are out here and they mean fucking business, all right? We had a, a KKK rally in Little Rock just last week, not a joke. I went out there, I went out there with my husband and there was this dude, he had a shaved head, he had a, a, the, the, the iron eagle on his leg, he had an iron cross around his neck and he comes and he sees me and my husband over there and he comes straight at us. My husband doesn't know how to fight. I'm unarmed at the time. All I can do is defend us the best way I know how. You want to go? You want to go? Again, I shit on his shoe. Thank you very much, man. Our guest, Jay Jackson, for sharing his world with you. Special thanks to Jessa Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help editing and producing the show. Thank you to all our friends and supporters out there. You can catch Greetings from Queer Mountain, the live queer storytelling show, in New Orleans, Austin, New York City, and now in Oakland. Check out our Facebook page for more information. Also, if you like what you hear, give us a rating, give us a shout out, near and queer to my heart, on every social media except for Twitter, queer to my heart. Check us out. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.